MSW Media. Thanks to our new sponsor, Mave, for supporting our podcast. Dogs need unprocessed, high-protein, low-carb diets that kibble and fresh foods don't deliver. Make the switch to raw today. Right now, Mave is offering $40 off your first order at meetmave.com slash dailybeans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, April 20th, 2023. Today, Trump attorney Boris Epstein is about to go through some things. A judge refuses to block the testimony of Mark Pomerantz pursuant to a Jim Jordan subpoena. Senate Democrats are eyeing a hearing on the Clarence Thomas financial emissions. An organizer of the attack on the Capitol has pled guilty and is cooperating with investigators. And E. Jean Carroll attorney Robbie Kaplan fires back at Joey Taco Pants. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. I'm at the Pizza Hut. I'm at the Taco Bell. I'm, I'm at, at the, the combination pizza. pizza. No, Joey Taco Pizza Hut. I don't know. Oh, um, they're a mess. They're a mess. Uh, yeah, all the MAGA making attorneys get attorneys. We have so many stories just about Trump lawyers in trouble today. <laughs> so not shocking. I can't believe there's one that's ever not been disbarred, but apparently they exist. Yeah. And for example, Boris Epstein has pulled back a bit from Trump's legal team, according to The Washington Post, because everybody hates him mostly, but also maybe because he's meeting with special counsel prosecutors this week. Oh, yeah. Now, keep in mind, this isn't a subpoena to testify in front of the grand jury. This is just a meeting at with special counsel prosecutors. We're pretty sure special counsel. But keep in mind, shortly after the search of Mar-a-Lago for the documents, Boris Epstein retroactively changed his invoices and title for the Trump Save America PAC from communications consultant to lawyer. Like retroactively going back a year, probably in an attempt to use attorney client privilege. And we know Jack Smith is homing in on the Save America PAC and the documents case. So my gut tells me this is a meeting about maybe privilege and for a forthcoming subpoena in either the Save America PAC fraud case, wire fraud case or the documents case. But it could also be about January 6th because he participated in the fraudulent elector scheme. He had a phone seized. Maybe they seized it again. Maybe who knows what's going on. It could be about any of the possible laws he's broken. (laughs) Yeah. When you sit there and are like, oh, one of the former president's lawyers is going to talk to the DOJ and you have to sit there and wonder what crime it's about. It's a problem. Uh, So we'll know more before this weekend's episode of Jack, the podcast with me and Andy McCabe drops on Sunday. So stay tuned for that. Later in the show today, I'm going to be talking with Mike Full from the Empower Project. Super incredible stuff that he's doing. I can't wait for you to hear about how he helped in Wisconsin get that seat for Janet Protosiewicz, how he, I mean, this, the work that he's doing is basically instead of like text banking and door knocking and all that stuff, it's about what we say when we sign off, right? Mm -hmm. Vote blue over Q and bring someone with you. It's about reaching out to your family and friends and how much more effective that is and, and how to get trained and get free information on toolkits on how to do that. So very excited to talk to him, especially with 2024 coming up. So that'll be later in the show. All right, let's talk about uh, attorneys getting attorneys and all that shit. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. 
All right. From Jacobs at the Post, this is the Washington Post, a federal judge ruled Wednesday that a former prosecutor in the Manhattan DA's investigation of Trump's business dealings must testify this week, today, 10 a.m., before a congressional committee. That's Mark Pomerantz, former prosecutor at the state-level criminal investigation, and he was subpoenaed to testify before the House Judiciary Committee in Washington on Thursday. The subpoena prompted a lawsuit last week by Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan DA, who was suing Jim Jordan and Mark Pomerantz trying to block the subpoenas. Now, U.S. District Court Judge Mary Kay Viscosal ordered Pomerantz to testify in a 25-page opinion that was so dumb. She issued after a hearing that she had for legal arguments in her courtroom in federal court in Manhattan. Quote, Mr. Pomerantz must appear for the congressional deposition. That's what she wrote in the opinion and then added the little gem. No one is above the law. Now, this is a Trump appointee. Yeah. Yeah. She was nominated to the bench in 20, I think, 19. Uh, This article says 2018. I'll double check on that. But she suggested she didn't think she had the authority to cut off a legitimate exploration of an issue by Congress. It's not legitimate. Now, you know, I talked about this with Pete Strzok on yesterday's Clean Up on All 45 pod. Yeah, the, the, the committee's probably legitimate. But, you know, the subpoena, uh, I'm not sure. But at one point, she held up a maroon-colored pocket copy of the Constitution to emphasize the clause that protects Congress from being sued for conducting its business. She said she could not make assumptions about the committee's motivation to look into Bragg's case, as I predicted. That's true. Now, the committee has said it has the right to explore the matter because of $5,000 in federal funding grants used by the DA's office during the investigation. Five grand. Yep. $5,000. Quote, it's not for the court to tell Congress, if it's a valid subpoena, how to conduct its inquiry, she said. The district attorney's office said it was seeking a stay of the court's decision pending an appeal. So next steps, Bragg can appeal to the Second Circuit for an emergency stay pending a hearing on a longer stay pending an appeal. (laughs) (laughs) And if that fails, Bragg can ask the Supreme Court. And by the way, Justice Sonia Sotomayor sits atop that circuit court. She would be the one to issue the stay. You know how Alito issued the emergency stay in the Mifepristone case? Yes. And uh, Justice Thomas, uh, justice is a, yeah, use that term loosely. debatable at this point. Issued the, the emergency administrative stay in the Eileen Cannon special master documents case. Like each Supreme Court judge sits atop a circuit. And since we have 13 circuits, we should have 13 Supreme Court justices. But okay, story for another day. But anyway, I say drag this shit out as long as possible, since Jim hasn't responded to his congressional subpoena from last year yet. Although if Bragg decides not to file an appeal or for a stay from the Second Circuit or from the Supreme Court and Pomerantz indeed testifies today at 10 a.m. Eastern, which there's other reasons he might not. I'll get into that in a second. The Democrats on Jim's committee can ask all kinds of questions about the other crimes Trump has committed, and it wouldn't go well for Jim. Though I imagine anything that has to do with grand jury secrecy or privilege, attorney-client privilege, deliberative process, work product, any of those privileges, law enforcement privileges, sources and methods, I don't think any of that would have to be answered. But Lisa Rubin also tweeted about this. She said, for all the flaw in her decision, Judge Viscosal has left it to the House Judiciary and Pomerantz to reach a mutually agreeable compromise regarding how and when the deposition of Pomerantz would proceed. So he might not do this at all. He might go into negotiations for an extended period of time with Jim Jordan to to find out what he would 
you know, to just because that's what the judge ordered him to do. You guys work together and you figure it out, but I'm not going to issue a stay. So that's what's happening there. Thank you, AG. Now, as I start this next story, please let me finish the first sentence because you guys are going to be very confused when you hear it. Donald Trump wants to attend next week's trial involving aging Carroll, who has accused him of rape, but may not because of security issues the former U.S. president's appearance would cause. This is from his lawyer. That's what he <laughs> yeah. said on Wednesday. He doesn't want to fucking show up. In a letter to U.S. District Judge Lewis Kaplan in Manhattan Federal Court, Trump's lawyer, Taco Pina, said that while Trump, quote, wishes to appear at trial, the judge should instruct jurors not to hold it against him if he stays away. <laughs> okay. The lawyer said a Trump appearance would prompt a repeat of the disruption caused on April 4th when Trump pleaded not guilty in Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg's criminal case. He asked the jurors be told that Trump's absence, and I quote, avoids the logistical burdens that his presence as the former president would cause the courthouse and New York City. Accordingly, his presence is excused unless and until he is called by either party to testify. And yeah, you don't quote, want those you don't want those 12 supporters to show back up. Yeah. The mean, the mean streets of the Manhattan District Court there. Or Marjorie Taylor Greene until she gets heckled by a whistle. Mm. Now, this is a quote from Robbie Kaplan. As we know, Robbie is E. Jean's lawyer. And I quote, Mr. Trump's motion is frivolous. Mr. Trump will soon stand trial in federal court for sexual assault and defamation. These are extremely serious claims, and he has the right to appear to trial and testify under oath in his own defense. In the alternative, he has the right to decline to appear at trial and to accept any associated consequences. Given the gravity of the allegations at issue in the case, one might expect Mr. Trump to appear in person, but he's obviously free to choose otherwise. Either way, Ms. Carroll has a right to play Donald Trump's deposition at trial under Federal Rule of Civil Procedure 32A3, so she has no need for him to testify live. <laughs> Boom. Not to say, the court and the city it calls home are fully equipped to handle any logistical burdens that may result from Mr. Trump's appearance at a week-long trial. Indeed, the court has already made clear that it takes those matters seriously. If Mr. Trump decides not to appear at his own trial for sexual assault and defamation, the jury may draw whatever inferences it chooses, and Mr. Trump has no right to a judicial endorsement of his, <laughs> in parentheses, flimsy excuse. And the quote <laughs> continues, <love> <laughs> yep, Mr. Trump's position is especially difficult to credit in light of his own recent activity over the past. Oh, this is the best. This I know, best. this was a fucking bomb. I love it. Okay, Mr. Trump's position is especially difficult to credit in light of his own recent activity. Over the past few weeks, Mr. Trump attended the UFC championship 287 event. That's what they call the UFC fight. He spoke at the National Rifle Association's annual meeting, and he appeared for a deposition in the New York Attorney General's civil case against Mr. Trump, his adult children, and the Trump Organization. On Monday, he announced that he has scheduled a New Hampshire campaign event for next Thursday, April 27th. In other words, in the middle of the trial in this case. If Mr. Trump can find a way to attend wrestling championships, political conventions, civil depositions, and campaign functions, then surely he could surmount the logistics of attending his own federal trial. <laughs> Mic drop. End of conversation Look from Robbie, Robbie Kaplan. Kaplan. If I ever need to sue somebody. Oh, uh, so good. So good. Oh, I got to call Robbie. Uh, yeah, just scorcher of a letter. Um, and uh, I like how she's like, I'm, you know, whatever. The, the thing she's arguing here is that 
Joey, ta- she's like, he doesn't have to show up if he doesn't want to. And and but the, the, the problem is, is that Joey Takapina is asking the judge to instruct the jury to not make a negative inference. And she's right. like, no, don't. He doesn't deserve that. The jury can make any inference it wants. He doesn't get any special treatment. And so. what's awesome, and we covered this, and, and, and I said it a second ago, if he decides he doesn't want to go, Eugene Carroll has every right to read his deposition out loud in court. And play them. Yeah, yes. play, play the recordings of it. And uh, pursuant to those rules. So, you know, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll see how the judge decides. Because what the judge is deciding here isn't whether or not he has to show up. It's right. whether or not the judge has to instruct the jury not to draw negative inference from his <laughs> absence. So this is going to be fun. All right. Next up, key Senate Democrats are considering a hearing about Supreme Court ethics in the wake of revelations that Clarence Thomas received previously undisclosed gifts and luxury travel from billionaire Republican donor and Nazi paraphernalia collector Harlan Crow, uh, who is so aptly named, as we said yesterday. Senate Majority Whip Dick Durbin, I love saying that, the chair of the Judiciary Committee, said the 20 years of gift travel on yachts and chartered planes was outrageous. He added that the failure to disclose Crow's real estate deals, the fact that he bought his mama's house and his reported purchase of the other two lots in, uh, in, in, in that area are beyond anything I could imagine at the Supreme Court level. Now, it's not clear when the hearing will take place or what the scope would be. Durbin said he has a number of things in mind that he is discussing with committee members, but he was pessimistic about getting Thomas to testify. Quote, of course, I would like to, but I don't think it's going to happen. He said when he was asked whether he'd like to hear from Thomas directly, we're going to discuss the agenda and the program of the hearing. A Democratic aide noted that issuing a subpoena would require a majority vote by the committee, which the party doesn't have since Senator Dianne Feinstein of California is out indefinitely on medical leave. So that option is out of the question, the aide said. Oh, but wait a minute. Ira Goldman pointed out on Twitter. Presumably, he says, that aide figured if authorizing subpoenas requires a committee vote and the committee doesn't have the votes to report out judges, then they don't have the votes to authorize subpoenas. Ah, but the subpoena rules are different. If Durbin doesn't get this story straightened out, meaning he can issue subpoenas by getting Feinstein's vote by proxy, should we consider that he doesn't really want to investigate Thomas? Not because he thinks there shouldn't be an investigation, but because he doesn't just want to get into it? Fun fact, a meeting of the Senate Judiciary Committee on June 11th, 2020, on a motion to authorize the chairman to issue subpoenas, Senator Whitehouse voted no by proxy. So that answers that, right? Ooh, <laughs> lovely, delicious. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe the rules are different. Maybe you can't vote by proxy anymore because, quote unquote, COVID is over. I'm not sure. but That's, uh, a, good, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, we are. I am pushing... You know, I was like, ah, you know, just replace her on the committee, but since Republicans are blocking it, you know, now I'm like, well, you should either return or resign. Yeah. And that's just for judicial uh, appointments, regardless of how this subpoena thing shakes out. I don't think the committee will subpoena Thomas, which sucks because they should. Absolutely. But I, I think you're right. Yeah. But, you know, we'll see how it how it ends up going. But, you know, and by the way, we can talk about her needing to return or reside without mentioning her age. Because that's not the issue. Right. Any. Yeah. Any senator who's absent that is preventing the work of the people getting done needs to either return or or, or resign. That's Very good point. Kind of how I think about it. Thank you, AG. And the last story in this section, this is from NBC's Ryan Riley, a California man who organized a group of fighters, quote unquote, to travel to Washington, D.C. on January 6th in response to former President Trump's will be wild tweet pleaded guilty 
guilty on Wednesday, agreeing to cooperate at an upcoming trial of members of the Three Percenters movement. Now, Russell Taylor pleaded guilty to account of obstruction of an official, sorry, I'm already giggling, of an official proceeding. His attorney, who names their child this? Now, I understand names are important to people, but you'll understand why I'm giggling. His attorney, Dyke Whoish, so the first name is Dyke, said in court that Taylor had met, had met with the government on at least four occasions. Whoish, thank you for letting me call him by his last name, Whoish told NBC News that Taylor was, quote, doing the right thing and was at, at court to take full responsibility for his actions in the hopes of bringing finality to the case. While prosecutors did not ask a judge to set a sentencing date, saying they should wait until after the three percenters trial. Mm. Taylor who is a graphic designer, well, he was charged as part of a criminal conspiracy alongside members of the Three Percenters. Those people are Alan Hostetter, that was the former police chief, and Ronald Millet, Derek Kinnison, Felipe Antonio Martinez, and Eric Warner. Yeah, Taylor's likely to testify at the trial, and that's set for July. Taylor, in the Telegram chat, DC Brigade, said he was organizing those who were, quote, ready and willing to fight in DC. This threat is exclusive to be utilized to organize a group of fighters to have each other's backs and ensure no one will trample on our rights. That's what he wrote on the group uh, January 1st of 2021. That's according to court documents. And this is a quote from Taylor. He said, I truly believe that we were meant to come together to be engaged in this war at this time. And as I have said before, it's an honor to be shoulder to shoulder with you. Taylor wrote that to Hostetter. Uh, That's from the prosecutors. In a group chat, Taylor wrote that he wanted to, quote, to be on the front steps and be one of the first ones to breach the doors. Let me tell you about my crime before I committed. Mm. Yeah, he admitted that he pushed against officers and helped breach a police line on January 6th. And this is the quote. I was pushing through traitors all day today. We stormed the Capitol. Freedom was fully demonstrated today. Taylor wrote that after January 6th. So again, I'm going to tell you about my crime and I'm going to confess my crime. Yeah. And it's interesting that before any of it happened, they were talking about breaching the doors. And, uh, you know, that sounds like a premeditated sort of plan to take the Capitol. Yep. By force. But yeah, obstructing an official proceeding. There we go with 1512C2 again. All right, everybody stick around. We'll be right back. I've got that interview that I told you about with Mike Fole. You don't want to miss that. And then we'll do the good news. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. As a dog parent, I know how important it is to provide our furry friends with the best nutrition possible. That's why I was excited to try Maeve Raw Food for Dogs. It's a protein-rich diet, just as convenient as kibble, but without any of the fillers, additives, or synthetics. Before discovering Maeve, uh, I fed my dog a kibble diet recommended by the vet. But I had no idea that it was lacking in key nutrients and could lead to various health issues. But Maeve's raw food diet is the perfect solution. It offers the optimal source of nutrition for my dog's biological needs. And with no mess or prep, I love the no prep part. It's been so, I, I, I'm like, I'm okay with messes. But no, it, it saves so much time. It's been so easy to bring this into the, to her daily routine. Olive loves Maeve's protein-rich, easy-to-serve, high-quality raw food diet. Maeve's seven essential health benefits have improved her uh, her breath is much better, her doggo breath, uh, her coat, her digestive health. Gone are the days of, you know, her being a picky eater because now she gets to eat her favorite food every day. She loves it. Um, she gobbles it up. Those are the reasons my dog Olive and I love Maeve. And you can get $40 off your first order at meetmave, M-E-E-T-M-A-E-V.com slash daily beans. Maeve offers high protein, low carb diet that kibble and fresh food just doesn't deliver. 
Maeve is also very easy to serve. No thawing, um, like I said, and no prep. And Maeve supports the benefits you can smell, feel, and see <laughs> with most dog parents seeing positive results in less than 28 days. With over 1,000 five-star reviews, you know people and their dogs love Maeve Raw Food for Dogs. So make the switch to Raw today. Right now, Maeve is offering $40 off your first order at meetmave.com slash dailybeans. Go to meetmave.com slash dailybeans, M-E-E-T-M-A-E-V, to receive $40 off your first order. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. So, you know, I know you think it's early, but it's not. But we're gearing up for 2024 and we like to have as many tools in the tool belt as we can to get out the vote. And joining me today to help talk about a special project, an important project that he's working on, is the executive director of the Empower Project. Welcome, Mike Full. Hi, Mike. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you about the Empower Project. This is, you know, Listeners will know last year we did the How We Win Act Blue Fund to target the candidates who needed the money most and to get, you know, to help get the vote out through text banking and phone banking and more personal outreach. We always say at the end of every show, vote blue over Q and bring someone with you. And that's kind of what the Empower Project is all about. Talk about the project and why you started it. Yeah. So uh, Empower Projects is a nonprofit that we uh, have been doing now for for many years. Uh, Over 10 years, we've been running what's called relational organizing programs. And what that is, is basically, as you said, it's getting people to talk to their friends and family about important issues that impact them, upcoming elections, all that sort of stuff. We certainly see it as an important tactic, another tool in the toolbox to be used alongside, you know, mail and TV and, and all that other stuff that campaigns typically do. But it's really kind of a, a newer level and a newer layer to that type of work that we think is really important to be able to help progressives win in this country. Yeah. And talk a little bit about how it impacted what, what we saw in Wisconsin in April. And of course, the, you know, the weeks leading up to that election with the with the early vote and uh, Janet uh, Protasewicz and, and many of our other candidates uh, for, for Alder, which is like the city council in Wisconsin. Uh, talk a little bit about how you impacted that election. Absolutely. And first of all, congratulations on getting that last name correct. Uh, that, 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 that's a rough one for, for folks. It took me a while. I had to practice. Yeah. I, it took me a while. It's, it's, it was not easy. Uh, she's the first to admit it. I would say that, you know, so in the Wisconsin Supreme Court race, as I think hopefully a lot of your listeners are aware, was incredibly important. You know, we were able to uh, finally switch and flip the state uh, to progressive control in the court for the first time in over 10 years. And it was kind of all hands on deck in the state. A lot of groups doing a lot of good work. Um, we were able to run through our PAC, uh, a, a huge relational program in the state where we were able to talk to, uh, have over half a million relational conversations with 300,000 people uh, about the uh, upcoming election in about a seven week period there. And it was really about getting people to talk to their friends and family about what the heck does the Supreme Court actually do at the state level and how does that impact their lives? Um, you know. For us politicos, it's easy enough to kind of understand how everything fits together. But normal people, you know, it's not a day-to-day experience to understand what the Supreme Court does. And so being able to have these conversations with friends and family really is impactful. We've seen with the research that we've done on this over the years, uh, really the biggest impact that a relational organizing program can have are communities that tend to not always be engaged uh, in the civic space. So communities of color, uh, youth populations, transient populations that tend not to always show up on the voter file on the front end uh, can be hard to talk to with normal campaigns. And what we were able to see in this Wisconsin program, as well as in many other programs we've done over the last 10 years, 
is being able to communicate with these groups and have important messages that literally nobody else can be having with them uh, and be able to kind of contact the uncontactable, if you will. Yeah. And a lot of uh, folks are are interested in how this relational outreach makes these impacts, because, you know, a lot of folks say, well, you know, this Supreme Court race in Wisconsin was very important and therefore the vote got out. But it was actually us that made the election important. I don't think without, you know, I don't think, you know, without this outreach and without us all talking about it and how important it is and how it impacts everything, that people would have seen this election as important or it wouldn't have gotten as much national attention or it wouldn't have been the most expensive uh, judge race in the history of Wisconsin had we not done that kind of outreach. You know, it's like a chicken and egg thing. And we know that there are so many other races out there that are as important that don't get the attention. So talk a little bit about why voter turnout is so low to begin with. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's a that's a, a, a huge question to begin with, certainly. But um, I mean, if only it was as simple as, oh, the election is important, so people will just know to turn out and vote and, and understand why, right? I think I think all of us realize it's, it's never that easy. Um, what we see is relational organizing as a tactic can do is help have those conversations with people that typically wouldn't be involved in a kind of a, a weird spring election, right? Uh, normal people aren't necessarily used to to voting in an April election in Wisconsin. Or again, you know, we've been doing this uh, for for over a decade in 45 different states at this point, uh, and we've seen it up and down the ballot from presidential elections to school board, to county board, and, and all those sorts of races as well. Or being able to just talk to your friends and family about why does this election matter? Why do these issues matter to you? Can really help inspire people who normally wouldn't be paying attention to these sort of elections to say, oh, okay, and now I get it. Now I feel now I feel a little bit more uh, comfortable as to why I'm actually being asked to go to the polling place and cast that vote. And you kind of ask the process here. It's you know as as easy and as complicated as just getting organizers to get volunteers to make lists of friends and family and have those conversations. And if you think about the way that. Uh, normal people, us included, uh, that are like maybe abnormal because we think about politics. But the way you move through life is you listen to the trusted messengers in your life. And so think of like, uh, you might see 100 TV ads about why going to a certain movie, uh, you know, advertisements for that movie might be great. But if your best friend's like, yeah, I saw that movie, it's horrible, you're probably going to listen to your best friend over those TV ads. And that's going to be the same for electoral politics as well. Um, you can have dozens and dozens of TV ads, but if you have your friends and family saying, here's why those are a lie, here's why, uh, here's what the truth is, it can really have a strong impact on uh, on a lot of the folks out there. Yeah. And do you help shape that messaging? Maybe give some ideas about what to talk about? I know when I spoke about Wisconsin all the time, my my message was you could be like Michigan. Look at what's happening in Michigan. They've got, you know, they've been able to redraw their lines so the elections are fair. They've been able to get actual representation of the people in the state legislature. And now they're repealing old abortion laws on the books and and doing actual impactful gun reform. Do you help craft those messages for folks who might not know how to have those conversations with their family and friends? Yeah, it depends on the project. So for the Wisconsin Supreme Court race, that was actually a project we ran directly ourselves in partnership with a handful of coalition partners, but largely kind of directly ourselves. Um, But our nonprofit is actually focused on trying to get as many progressive organizations and campaigns in the country running relational organizing programs. So for most groups, what we are able to do is provide free training uh, to them on here's, uh, here's how to run a relational program, here's how to be more effective, 
We have a free software tool called Empower that we're able to provide to groups uh, to track and manage their work. In some cases, we can even provide grant funding to smaller community groups so they can hire a field organizer to do this type of work. Uh, and when we're supporting those types of groups, and we've worked with over a thousand organizations, trained 82,000 people so far on how to do this type of work, um, big national labor unions like AFSCME and AFT and Carpenters Union to uh, Sunrise Movement and Black Voters Matter PAC and all these types of big national groups to hundreds and hundreds of local community groups. And when we're working with those groups, those groups know, know their issues best. They know how to talk to their people best. And so it's a matter of us kind of helping provide some of the support and infrastructure so they can have those conversations relationally that maybe those groups tend to be more used to doing in, in the press or through uh, mail or through TV or things like that. Yeah. And, and let's talk about the numbers for a second, because we know that for fundraising, like you get a, a, a voter for every thousand dollars you spend or for door knocking and text banking, it's about a five percent uh, success rate, turnout rate. What is the rate that you found for the Empower Project using the uh, app for this? Yeah. So for people who are doing relational organizing, you tend to see a, a much higher contact rate. Um, so, yeah, texting and phone is, is I think, uh, everybody's aware of. Everybody's got caller ID. Everybody's kind of blocking those text messages where you might see a one or two percent contact rate. We see groups that are running relational organizing programs tend to have a 86 percent contact rate because uh, you're more likely to pick up the phone or answer a text from a friend or family uh, member and, and you're, you're willing to kind of listen and talk to them. Now, that being said, and, and so much of what we do to train is not, this isn't just a mechanism to email blast all your friends uh, a set of talking points, right? Like that, that's not going to be successful. It really is trying to empower people to be able to have meaningful conversations with their friends and family, uh, not just shout three bullet points you memorized at them. That's just not effective. Yeah, no, definitely. So now the, the big important question, where can people find and follow you, learn more about your organization and get involved and perhaps uh, help in some way? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, if you are a volunteer uh, with an organization or part of an organization and, and interested in doing relational organizing, again, we are here to help uh, any progressive group. We can provide free training and support as well as uh, very affordable support to candidates and campaigns as well. So people can go, go to empowerproject.us empowerproject.us is our website and sign up to, uh, to to get trained and get free technology and how to do this type of work. And we would love to work with you if anybody's interested in helping to contribute uh, so we can support more organizations doing this type of work. You can also uh, find out the do donation information on that website as well. But really, if you're a, a, a progressive in this space and you're not using relational organizing as one of the many tactics to do outreach, uh, I think you're leaving votes on the table. So we're just trying to get as many people using this uh, this tactic as possible. All right. Well, great. Well, thank you so much. And uh, this is incredible work that you're doing. And I appreciate it. Uh, and I appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Thanks for having me. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, if you want to play What the Mutt with us, send a frog orgy, baby pictures, shout out to somebody you love, adoptable pet in your area, your pod pets, I would love to see. Anything you want to send us, you can send it to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. All right. So let's see. Uh, first up, 
we have Margaret uh, with a submission, no pronouns given. Loved today's episode, Dana's tongue twisters, Liz Winstead's wit and wisdom, <laughs> AG's snark. It's all there. AG mentioned Judge McBurney ruling that DA Fonnie Willis couldn't pursue a case against David Schaefer. But I believe AG mixed up Schaefer with Burt Jones. Yes, I did. It is Burt Jones. Man, our listeners are on it. I know. Honest and easy mistake to make since all these Republican fake electors look alike if you squint. (laughs) (laughs) I like Margaret. I know. Margaret's great. Thanks for all you do. Your humor and sagacity are bombs in these weird and troubled times. I love your word use, Margaret. I know. My submission. Go ahead and grab the next two, huh? You got it. This is from John G. Pronouns he, him. Bonjour, legumes. <laughs> I just want to say hi to thank you sincerely for all you do and to suggest that if you're going to keep doing horse breeds, you could call it what the heck queen. Quine. Heck-quine. What the heck what the quine. What the heck quine. Mm, that's so clever. That's all. Peace, love, and beans. Thank you, John G. And this is from Avril. Or, oh, Avril. Thank you. Uh, for the correction already. Avril. No pronouns on Avril. Love listening about unions as as I was on my way to an executive meeting for my teacher's union. Spent Sunday prepping for my absence and I'm driving in rain and fog, but it's worth the work knowing how good we have it here in Quebec. Wow, what a gorgeous photo. Oh, that looks very fancy. Quebec looks cute. Go Quebecers. I know. I don't know if that's what they're called, but very beautiful. All right, I'll take the next two here. This is a short one from Lex. No pronouns. Not a frog orgy, but these nudibranches, nudibrinks, pardon me, nudibrinks. <laughs> How? How is that? Nudibrink, nudibrinks. I'm glad you got one. That, you know what, Lex? I don't believe you. It's nudibranches. Uh, in Monterey Bay, I call them orange dictators <laughs> for fairly obvious reasons. Um, this one's named Panute. No, all are white with exterior decorated with orange. Look how cool that is. That is really cute. I like it. Those are fun. Nudibranches. All right. Bring on the next. (laughs) Nudibranch. Nudibranch. (laughs) Nudibranches. All right. Next up. One of the many Marys, pronouns she and her. Hail Mary. Hello. Two of my favorite people in the verse. Hi, Mary. I love the... Hello. I love the nerd pop culture and really fucking important information with swearing and laughs you provide every day. And of course, we always have to say Mary. Good news. Thanks to your reminder to prioritize my mental health. I am a year into therapy and so much happier than I was a year ago. Despite the epic shit show and fuckery in the world, I've been getting regular massages. Fuck yeah, to self-care. And I'm involved with our local Dems in town. I spent several months driving one of our local candidates every weekend to door knock and she along with every woman running was elected nice again the republican dude she unseated was in office for 12 years and was a huge sore loser a huge sore loser and we were ecstatic that's so cool we're looking forward to maintaining the momentum for all future elections as to the dominant the the dominant as to the dominion settlement i'm frustrated and would have only been truly happy had the settlement included public apologies by all hosts, followed by Harry Carey by five hosts, past or present, of our choosing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I like you, Mary. Pet tax submitted. Number one, my chonky girl, Scooter Pie, refusing to listen when I tell her she can't eat flowers. I think she believes that she can't, is that the word can't is a challenge, as of course they are edible, rather than don't that I was (laughs) referring to. Uh, Mama Bluebird peeking out of the house. We have a nest with four eggs. Hooray for spring. 
and the pair coming up to the deck to check out the feeder and make sure there are no ne'er-do-wells in the area. I love you. Keep up the great work. And there's the cat eating flowers. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. Oh, look so at the bird. Good. I know. Oh, little Snossage's bird cute. popping the head out. That's a pretty bird. Two pretty birds. Pretty bird. Pretty bird. Thank you. All right. To end this, we've got Janice in San Diego. We have an answer to our what the mutt, pronouns she and her, what the mutt results for Barney from a couple oh. of days ago. So you oh, and I cool. said pity, boxer, chow. Brindle, like a pity. And I said greyhound as well. Greyhound. Look at the brindle baby. All right. Oh Vishla. Oh, my God. Vishla. Look at those paws. Pity. Maybe staffy. Yeah, maybe even a little bit of Mastiff. Greyhound. Look at that, because the hips, you see those oh, hips there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yep, on that picture. Aw. Um, all right, let's see. Boxer, Pity, yep. Staffy, Shepherd, Australian Shepherd, Chow. Yep. All right, we got three. And Roddy. Nice. Very good, us. No. And then we can do what the heck wine. <laughs> With the horses. <laughs> I'm all hequine. Nope. Nope. <laughs> and you'll hear me say the first, the same things every single time. I'll be like, oh, dish face, Arabian, or oh, giant, Morgan, or <laughs> big feet. That's either a Persian or a Clydesdale. And, and then, oh, that's a Palomino because I watch Mr. Ed. Those are the four things that you'll hear me say. Everything else will chow chow is the, the, the equivalent for uh, what the hequine is the thoroughbred. Uh, so that's um, what you'll, that's, and those are all, the, that will be all my guesses because that's all I really know. I love it. Although Belgian, the Belgians are kind of, they're also draft. Anyway, you know what? Hey, do you have any final thoughts? I do. You remember that show I was doing in Utah that got canceled? Yes. Yes, it's back up. It's June 1st. So if you're in Utah or anywhere around there, it's June 1st. It's a Thursday night. It's kicking off Pride Weekend. It's called Utah Pride Live. And I'm going to be performing and some kick-ass fucking drag queens who we want to support right now, obviously. It's going to be an amazing event at the Hilton Salt Lake City. So if you want tickets, go to utahpride.org, go on to their events, and you will find the Utah Pride Live. So that's the show I was talking about a few months ago that got canceled. It's going to be June 1st, Thursday night. I will be there, and I hope to see you there as well. Fucking cool. That's going to be awesome. I hope our Utah friends can make it. All right, everybody. So that is the show. And uh, we will be back tomorrow in your ears uh, for the, uh, you know, the Friday episode. Who knows what could happen? Anything could happen. We could, you know, maybe maybe we'll have more information on Boris Epstein. Maybe we'll have some news on the Fonnie Willis stuff. Maybe we'll find more stuff that's going on with those with those guys. (laughs) Yeah. And how um, the judge maybe when I don't know when we're expected to get a ruling in Fonnie Willis's motion to remove Debrow uh, as a lawyer because of her con- her her conflicts of interest and that she told the court that she gave that she offered an immunity deal and then never did. Yeah. Um, but who knows what tomorrow will bring? We'll find out then. Until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q. And take everyone with you. I've been AG and I've been DG and them's the beans. I'm sort of surprised we didn't make any 420 jokes. <laughs> <laughs> The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane. 
with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, Welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler... How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary... They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing on the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th. Or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.